0: Hello everyone, and welcome for Zoom O'Clock with Tessie Anthony de Nassau. Today I have a very special guest, Michelle Icard, which is a wonderful woman I have met over Instagram, because I called Turkey, just wrote you, um, because you're doing something really special. And what that is, we will get to in, into it in a few seconds. So, um, Michelle is from the U.S. Um, Where exactly are you, Michelle? Hello, I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the southeast of the U.S. Very nice. So, um... Michelle, it's, it's an absolute pleasure that you're here. And you are working on something that for me specifically and personally is very important. I'm a mother of two beautiful teenage boys. I'm the stepmother of a teenage girl. And um, as such, what you have created, which will be released end of February, is for me very important. Because it's kind of like insights into the psyche of teenagers and how they tick all packed together in one book. So, Michelle, please tell us a little bit about your book, which will be released of the end of February. And why did you why did you come up in writing that book in the first place? Thank
1: you for asking. I am thrilled about this book. As you said, it's coming out February 23rd. It's called 14 Talks by Age 14. I just got my hands on an early copy. So it looks like this. I am so happy to hold this baby. Um, the reason I wrote this book is I've worked with parents of kids in America. We call it middle school, but it's age sort of 11 to 14 ish for about 16 years. And what I hear from them all the time is they know they need to talk to their kids about these important topics regarding being a teenager but they don't know how to do it. And if they try to start their kid rolls their eyes and leaves the room and gets embarrassed or gets angry. And so I wanted to provide parents with guidance on how to have the conversations they know they need to have, they want to have in a way that the child will be receptive to hearing and to engaging with. So it covers 14 broad topics. And in those broad topics are little micro topics of things you can also be talking about but it really gives you a new way of
0: talking to your tween or your teenager. That's fascinating. So tell me, can you show the book one more time? just so I I'd can- love to. <laughs> there she is. So, 14 Talks by age 14. Love it. So the thing is, you know, when you say you're, you're covering 14 broad topics, how did you, because, you know, being a mom of, of three teenagers, really, you know to narrow it down to 14 topics that's amazing and how did you choose these topics and can you maybe give away kind of like a little glimpse of one or two topics you know why are these important why did you put these in and can you give away a little bit of a secret already kind of a teaser for all of us to look forward to already I'd love to So there are, of
1: course, a million topics to talk about with your tween or teen. You're right. It's very hard to bring it down to 14. What I did is I actually wrote on index cards hundreds of topics. I spread them all over the floor. I looked at them. They were very specific topics. And then I just started to find patterns and group things together. So all of these things from please wear deodorant to how do you talk to your kid about um, cutting or suicide or, you know, like they huge range of topics. I said, okay, all of these can fall under taking care of yourself. Right. So the, the chapter titles are, are broader in that sense, talking about independence, talking about taking care of yourself, talking about giving back to the family and to the community. So bit, larger issues. But within each chapter, there are micro topics, like I said, so so it starts big, and it drills down small. Um, And I will would love to share just a couple of kind of the hot tips that I think work for every topic, no matter what you're talking about with your tween or teen. Oh, please do. So my favorite one, I really love the science around adolescent development. And my favorite one is based on some research that came out of one of Harvard University's teaching hospitals, where a neurologist put adults through an MRI and showed them pictures of people's faces and said, just by looking at this person's face, can you tell me what they're feeling? Mm -hmm. And adults could do that 100% of the time. They could say, yes, that person feels angry or that person feels scared or that person feels happy. Basic emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they put teenagers through the MRI, showed them the same photographs and said, can you tell just by looking at their faces what they're feeling? And the teenagers got it right only 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. So they saw based on the MRI that adults were using their prefrontal cortex, the front of their brain. And The teenagers were using the amygdala, which is the emotional center of the brain. Hmm. So, what happens in adolescent development is kids' brains start reconfiguring, building new neurons, making new connections, and the part of the brain that reads facial expressions does not work for them very well. So, the way this plays out in your family and in your home is your child says something or walks in the room, and you ask a very innocent question. You might say, like, oh, Hey, have you studied for your math test yet? Mm -hmm. And your child sees this. And even though to you, you're just asking a question or being concerned, or that's your normal face, your kid says, Oh, mom's angry or dad's angry. And they instantly get defensive. So you say, have you studied for your math test yet? And the kid says, why are you getting so mad at me? I'm going to study. And they storm off and you're left thinking, what went wrong? I just tried to ask a basic question. So my advice for all the conversations you want to have with your kid when they are 11 and up is never wrinkle your forehead. And it's a hard thing to do. But if you can talk to your child with just a very neutral forehead, and I call it, jokingly call it having a Botox brow. So if you can just act like you've been so overly Botoxed, you can't squinch up your forehead, your child won't think you're angry, and they will talk
0: to you a whole lot more. Wow, that is that is impressive because actually, you know, as you were saying that, you know, homeschooling my boys here, um, specifically my oldest, each time I would say, have you done that? And he would get mad at me, actually. He would say, Why, well, you know, yeah, you can trust me. I did that. You know, he straight away thought I would say, I would say something negative that I would not believe he did it. And uh, that is so interesting. Oh, my goodness. That, that really yeah. helps. But it is difficult not to cringe. You know? It's so hard. And I mean, so
1: it takes practice and parents should not be discouraged. Don't worry if you if you get it wrong. The other thing you can do is when your kid flares up like that, you can just say, oh, I don't want you to think I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm just curious. So you can also explain
0: what they may be misinterpreting. Okay. Well, I will definitely put that straight to use is, uh, you know, homeschooling the boys and everything doing lockdown number two here or three for some others is really, yeah, it's tough, you know, and it's nice to actually understand that the kids, I didn't know that they don't realize and that they cannot properly use facial recognition at that age yet, because you would think that kids when they are 12, 13, 14, you know, um, Getting active in all kinds of things, some even smoking and all of that stuff, that they are still not capable of being normally, well, equipped members of society. Right? That's right. <laughs> you would think that they are little adults, but actually, listening to what you just said, they are not at all. You know, they are. They're, still, they're just starting still on figuring that. out. Exactly, they're still figuring it out. So, really, to be mm. a little bit more patient with them. That is so interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, do you have? teenagers. And how how did you get to write the book in the first place? Uh, My kids are now
1: 18 and 20. So I'm almost out of teenagehood. uh, A couple more years. They're both in college now. I started doing this work with kids in this age range when my children were two and four. So I've been doing it for 16 years. Um, And the reason that I got started on this Book. I actually started writing it before the pandemic. um, But I just knew that there was such a need to help parents with communication at this age. So, um, you know, I often say that it's the job of language to tie groups together, and it's the job of teenagers to break ties apart. So they need to go out and be independent of their family. So they're they're cutting ties at the same time that you're trying to keep them close. And what it means is you really have to learn a new way of talking to them because your old language rules don't work anymore. Um, So that was the kind of the gist behind it. But now what I'm finding is during the pandemic, as you said, your kids are home all the time, right? Right. So, So many opportunities to have discussions and conversations with them when otherwise you might not have. So I had a friend tell me just this morning, she read the book, she walked out her child who's 12. Uh, was having lunch. She left her home office, walked out to have lunch with him, and asked him a question from the book. And they had a lovely conversation. It was about what do you think fairness means? And so they had this great conversation about what equity means and fairness means. And she said, if if I had tried to do that at the end of my workday, when he was done with his long school day, I would have been too exhausted. I probably wouldn't have even asked. But they had this beautiful conversation because... They happen to be in the same space at noon, you know. So I think the pandemic is providing some opportunities to have really beautiful discussions and connections that you wouldn't get otherwise.
0: <coughs> sorry. Very true. <coughs> With my own kids, I had the, the same experience. Oh, sorry, I take some water. Yes, please. I have I'll do the same. <laughs> So I know with my kids, I had actually the same experience because I got to know them so differently. And, um, you know, especially during times of when they're teenagers, they change so much that for me, the pandemic, you know, despite all of the burden it brought and to some people way greater than to us, but um, despite all of the negativity, one of the positive parts was definitely how our family has grown back together because I do not remember having these conversations with my parents when I was the age, because I was not home. I was outside. I was seeing my friends. I was just doing other things, but being home. Yeah, it was, it's really, it's a real blessing. And um, I think it will also create a different type of adult from that pandemic, I think. Um, So to be seen right in the next few years, but uh, definitely interesting. So for the book then, so you have, um, Is it your first book that you wrote on this chapter or because you said you're doing that since, well, since uh, two decades now. So do you have, do you do specific coaching with parents? How did it come that you wrote the book when you were just like, I have been doing that for so long. I have been collecting so much evidence. Um, Mm -hmm. And why specifically on teenagers, if your kids are already in their 20s? And not on the little child, for example, because you started writing, you said, uh, and investigating when they were four. So um, why specifically that age then? Um, And will there be other books, for example, for little children then the terrible two, for example, or when they get into their 20s? Because, you know, nowadays kids tend to stay home longer um you know our parents uh, we we are still a little bit uh, the generation that was flying faster but i think the generation that is coming the young people the millennials um or well, the gen zians i think they are more prone as well to stay home longer they don't own cars uh you know all of that that shift so what is to be coming next after your book launch end of february Well, this is to answer your first question. This is my second book,
1: my first book I wrote about five years ago, also on this age group. And for me, this is the age group that I love the most. So I will always focus on 11 to 14. I think it's a fascinating time of life because it's really bridging the gap between being a a young child and an adult. Um, And it is kind of um, a no man's land and also scientifically and developmentally, I think it's the time when you have the most change in your brain and your body and your identity. That's fascinating. And there's a lot to dive into there. So um, yes, there will be another book. I don't know quite what it's going to be yet, but I'm always thinking about this age. And I'm always thinking about how can I help parents and kids connect with each other? And how can I help parents connect with other parents? Because there was an interesting study that came out a few years ago, Being a mother to a child this age, 11 to 14, is the loneliest time of life. And I find that fascinating. So I really want to provide, like you're doing here with this, connection, ways for people now we're very isolated Mm -hmm. um, to not feel so lonely going through a hard time. So yes, there will be another book. Um, I would encourage parents, if if they want to reach out to other parents in this age group and they're on Facebook... I have a group of parents there. We're about 7,000 people, um, always talking about our our kids and our life and how we can give each other good ideas to solve problems. So it's called Less Stressed Middle School Parents. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna join that. Please join us, yes. (laughs) Really good conversations and help and advice and support. It's very
0: encouraging. That is fantastic. Okay, well, I will definitely join the group, that's for sure. One question that is burning since the moment I wrote you on Instagram, because obviously, you know, having two teenage sons and my stepdaughter, um, my sons, to be honest with you, they are, I'm very proud of them. They're really good guys. They're very communicative. They're very empathetic, which I think is very good for boys. And they're not ashamed of it. They're very family oriented. They have the heart at the right spot and they really try to be good guys as well as being children and having fun and being a bit mischievous and getting in trouble, you know, but (laughs) um, you know, one question that really, and that is what is still ringing with me and I feel guilty about it still as a parent, you know, um, the divorce. Mm -hmm. When I got divorced with my ex-husband, you know, it was obviously um, how do we tell the kids and how will they react and I have seen my kids are fine, but they always tell me they're fine. I can see the little one is struggling a little bit sometimes because he's just sad. You know, he misses that family unit, you know, and my oldest is very protective towards me. So he wants always to make sure I'm fine. And um, and I always tell him, you know, worry about your life. You know, it's not I, I got you, my love, and we are family, but these are grown up problems and it's None of your business, you know, we can talk about what is important for you to know, but for the details, it's not for you to carry, you know, because Papa and Mama love you the same. It's just that it will be just a different framework, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I have seen other kids who are really aggressive, very abusive, manipulative, uh, very unstable, hurting themselves, not taking, you know, eating whatever, gaining weight like crazy, and just being really mean, you know, because they're suffering. So, what would you say? You know, is there a chapter in your book about that? And just in the little time we have left, um, because we are over time already, um, what would you say? You know, to a parent who is just getting divorced? You know, like, like I know there's no quick fixes, but what would you say? Do that, and it will make such a big difference straight away. I think what you said was beautiful. I think the way
1: that you said it to your child is absolutely perfect. And your kids want to know that they are safe no matter what age they are. And so as much as you and your uh, former partner can co-parent, you don't have to coexist, but you have to co-parent as much as you're able to. Sometimes one person isn't willing, but as much as you are able to say you are safe and you are loved to your child, I can tell you my parents were divorced. My husband's parents were divorced. And truly that um, the level of knowledge and empathy that you gain from going through that can make you such a strong person afterwards. So It happens, it's a fact of life, it's quite common. I wouldn't feel guilty or stressed over it as long as you're saying to your kids, we love you and you're safe and you'll
0: always be taken care of. I think that's the best. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's just, but what what would you do then? um, You know, uh, For example, a kid that is very abusive and manipulative, thank goodness my sons are not like that, but I see it with other people and you know they tell me how did you do it why are ki- are you kids like that and mine not and, and 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 i just i don't know what to say because you know i yeah. said it's important to set boundaries because i said Absolutely. yes the divorce is a trauma for everyone and specifically for kids but that doesn't give you a free pass as a kid to treat your parents badly you know oh. any of them you know i i said my advice to them was and i don't know if if that's correct and please tell me I always said, to you, you know, whatever happens, never talk bad about your partner in front of Yes, them. Even if you get divorced because that person was horrible and cheated on you and did whatever it did or he or she, but not in front of the kids and always protect right. that integrity that when kids say something bad, like even now, sometimes my kids, you know, it's normal. Kids do that. They try to say, oh, um, yeah, but Papa said yes. You know, they try to put you up against each other. And I say, oh, really? Well, let's call Papa. That's good. Yeah. And I'm always like, you know, or they get angry because something happened. at dad. And I say, you know, if Papa thinks that is the right thing, then I am with him. You know, we're a team and I trust him and he has your best interest at heart. And so they stopped doing that. But right. what would you think, you know, for these kids who are really, really suffering, you know, for these parents specifically? Yeah. Because... Is it true that still in trauma, it's important to keep boundaries? Yes, I think that's really smart because what your child
1: or the child in that scenario is feeling is a lack of protection. And, you know, like the world broke open for them, right? And what they assumed would always be true, stopped being true. So you have to make sure that they understand that you there's still an adult in the room who's making sure that everything will be managed and handled and using boundaries is a very loving way to show that to your children. You know, they're not punitive, they're just a way of saying, "Look, the adults are still in charge. Don't worry, you can try to rock the boat, you can try to crack this open further to test how safe you really are, but I'm I'm putting up the boundaries to say, you're safe, you're confined, and we love you. And so I think
0: that's a very appropriate response. Wow, well, I like it that you say, you know, boundaries are a good thing. Yeah. And I think people are afraid of that, specifically with the guilt. So I will definitely keep saying that then. Um, so time <laughs> run out, I, would, I could talk with you forever, but I will make sure people can get in touch with you and get the book as well, because I think it's a real blessing, specifically in times of crisis. And in any case, you know, I I am a mother of teenagers and I do a lot of things, but I can always learn more um, to learn about these beautiful human beings. Right. And get to know them every day a bit better. So thank you for your hard work and for all your research and years of of collecting data. I appreciate it. We keep in touch offline. Um, And yeah, until we meet again, I would have so many more questions, but we're really way over time. So I will let you go now. Thank you. We talk more offline, but thank you so much, Michelle. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.